And again, uh, it is a, a very, very uh, blessed day to be able to be with you, to be in church. Uh, we didn't hold services last week, and now here in our county, if you're on the internet, uh, we have some immediate uh, flood devastation going on. Many, many people have uh, been uh, touched by this storm. Some people have lost loved ones. People have lost goods, things, all kinds of things, and disaster has struck and it's still unfolding here in Horry County. Uh, but what we desire to do as a church is, again, we began to try to respond earlier this week, uh, but we want to continue to respond. And we're going to kind of share a little bit about who we are, what we're doing uh, through this, not only through the next week or the next couple of weeks, but this is going to be an ongoing process for several, several months to build teams and to uh, bring hope and healing to people uh, that have been affected by this storm. Here, here's the danger, is I came back into basically our city. I, I left evacuated like many of you have done, and then we came back, uh, I think it was Friday night after the eye of the storm had kind of slowed down, and we got back into the city early. And it's easy to be right down here on the on the front of the beach if you're from this area and not come past all all the flooding and devastation, and began to kind of look around. It's a beautiful sunny day in Myrtle Beach, you know, and uh, there's not a lot of wind damage or anything like that, but then just begin to say, hey, you know what, uh, I, I thank God for the blessings, but then forget about five, ten miles out that there's a lot of devastation. And what I want to say today is anytime you are spared in a disaster is always so you can be a spark to bring hope to somebody else. And God really, really quickly reminded me of a passage of Scripture, and I went early on in the week and began to look this Scripture up in context because me, being a pastor and being around a church for a few years, I've heard this verse quoted a lot of times, but I wanted to look at the context of the verse. And because if you ever study the Bible, I want you to understand context is always king. In other words, uh, the context of which something is said in really matters and brings that truth alive. And, and the verse I want to share with you is something the Lord Jesus said. But another person repeated that he said it. And when he repeated it, he repeated it to a church, the church at Ephesus. The man who repeated it, his name is Paul. And he, he said this in Acts chapter 20. He said, it is more blessed to give than receive. It is more blessed to give and than receive. Anybody ever heard that, that quote before from, from Jesus? But today, we're going to put that quote in context. Because when we put it in context, it begins to bring hope. It begins to elevate, elevate the disaster that we've seen and know that there is more than just what we see. There is a God that oversees everything. He's in everything, and he works together the good for all of those who are called according to his purpose, and he is God no matter what has struck, and there is hope beyond the circumstance or the situation. And so the writer, Paul, he quotes the Lord Jesus after his third tour, he was a man that began to tour with the good news of Jesus around the world. He made three significant tours. We call them missionary journeys. But he traveled 
from the region of where he learned about the good news of Jesus. He was a Jewish man, deeply rooted in in the the Jewish uh, religion and the things that the Jews did. And he was affected by the good news of Jesus coming, opening the door into a different dimension, forgiving people of their sins so that they could see into a, a different kind of place than they were currently seeing. He had experienced Christ. And the Bible says that he began to go around basically that region and share the good news about who Jesus was with Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, those who weren't Jews, all over the world. And he made three various tours. And in his last tour, he said to the, to the people at Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, he reminded them of who he is, what he was doing, why he was doing what he was doing, and that he was a man who had experienced major, major trials. In other words, his life was always a hurricane. If you look at the Apostle Paul's life, he expected suffering and he expected trials to happen in his life every time he landed in a city to share the good news of who God was. And so, but his, his journey had taught him how to respond in the, in the trials, in the situation. And I think there's some principles we can learn from his life because the trials always uh, seem uh, to follow to follow the Apostle Paul, but he understood that he was, he was always spared in situations to be a spark. And that's what I want to say to you today. If the storm spared your life and you are a Christ follower, it is simply to get out of your chair and begin to be a spark and share the good news of who God is through your service, through your sharing, through your giving, and expounding and spreading the good news of who God is wherever you go. And so it's not blessed because I was good. The Bible is clear. You're blessed or spared to be a blessing. And again, you know, I'm going to be very, very raw today. But you will hear a lot of people say, you know what, well, our city was spared and and that city was hit because maybe they've done something bad and we've done something good. I just want to declare to you today, the storm didn't hit and destroy Wilmington because we're good and they are bad. It's simply because sin has entered this world and it's not, a, it's not an issue of who's bad and who's good. It's an issue of evil has entered this world, but there's a good God who will shine in the face of evil. And I want to be clear. You are not above a storm. I don't care if you are a Christ follower or not. The Bible is clear. It rains on the just and the unjust. And this world that we live in is broken. However, the good news is that God has given us a glimpse literally out of this world into a different dimension. And if you can begin to look at the world and disaster from a different dimension, a different point of view, maybe your hope will be elevated when disaster strikes. I didn't say that your pain would be removed because you know what? It's painful when disaster strikes. 
But I just got to be clear today, we live in a world where you will experience trials, you will experience tribulation, you will experience trouble, and your goodness does not make you depart from the trouble. And so, so many people think, well, if I'm being good, then you know what? Evil's never going to strike my household. That is so far from the truth of God's word, you have totally missed it. Because it's never about our goodness. It's always about his goodness. It's never about our goodness. It's always about his goodness. And so if, if you understand it's not about being good or bad and disaster strikes those who are bad and leaves those along who are good. We're going to be unpacking that truth over the next several weeks. We're doing a, a little mini-series called The Dimensions of Disaster. But today, the dimension I want to talk about in the disaster is who is the church supposed to be? And the Apostle Paul gives us that answer in Acts chapter 20 on his third missionary journey as he speaks to the church at Ephesus. And he closes his little statement there with what I just quoted to you early on. It is better, it is more blessed to to give than receive. Now let's look at the context of where he said that. I'm going to read a passage and we're going to see where he said that, and then we're going to unpack a little bit and bring hope and healing to our lives and really step up and be the people that God has called us to be. Beginning with verse 18, he tells the church of Ephesus this. He had called them up, and he says, he's speaking mainly to the leaders, and he says, you know, from the day I set foot in the providence of Asia until now, I've done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. He says, I have endured the trials that came to me from the plot of the Jews, the plots of the Jews. In other words, he's a Jewish man, and, but the Jewish people didn't like how Paul was doing church. And they plotted things against him because he knew that the good news wasn't just for the Jewish people, but he had been understanding that the good news that Jesus had come and opened up a way for all people to God. He began to offer it to the Greeks and the Gentiles, but the religion of the Jews didn't like the message he was preaching. And so in that day, they would drag him out of town, persecute him, stone him, throw him into prison because they didn't like how he did church. And see, it hasn't changed a whole lot today. Though most of us aren't Jewish, What happens is when you preach the truth of God's word in disaster situations, you know what? Some people don't like what you have to say. But God is still God in the middle of a disaster. He is a God on high. He is God with a plan, not just for the world, but for your life. And I'm telling you, the Bible is clear. What the enemy means for harm God will use for good. But if you only view things from a human point of view, that will never make sense. It never makes sense when we only see from a human perspective. This is why Jesus came. It's not only so you would look at things from an earthly or human perspective, but so that you could have your eyes open 
and your heart open into what the Bible refers to the kingdom of God, an unshakable kingdom, and begin to view things from a different lens as you read his word and you know the story and your faith is in a resurrected Jesus and he had the power over death and he come back from the grave and he reigns on high and he will create a new heaven and a new earth and it ain't about here, it's about him. It's a whole different dimension. But most people don't live from viewing life from that dimension. We only view it from a human point of view. And again, it will never make sense. It doesn't make sense when I look at it. I don't always understand it because his ways are higher than my ways. I'm not saying that it's not bad. I'm not belittling any circumstance. But i got to believe that God is in the circumstance and he has offered hope beyond the circumstance, beyond this life. It is eternal. And have you put your faith in the good news of what Jesus has done? Because the Bible says the gospel, the good news, is the power of God Unto salvation. Did you catch what that says? Romans chapter 1. It says the good news is the power of God unto salvation. And so what that literally means is the gospel is the power of God. And the power of God unto our salvation and and not just seeing things from one dimension but from different dimensions entering into into a, a, a spiritual dimension and seeing things differently. And so Jesus is the one that makes the way. He is the very power of God in the flesh. He gave his life on the cross uh, to show the love of, for humanity. But don't miss this. He resurrected from a grave to show the power of the creator. And your belief, your faith in that unmerited favor, whether you're good or bad, Your belief, your faith in that unmerited favor, that grace, really determines if you can begin to see differently and get a peek from behind the curtain. A lot of people are are blind to another dimension because we're born in a world that is filled with this thing called sin. We have reduced sin down in the local church to You know what? I don't do bad things. I do good things. And my friend, that is not an accurate picture of sin. Sin is a picture word. Sin literally means missing the bullseye. And it's not about being good or bad. It means missing the bullseye of God's glorious standard. And the Bible says we've all missed the bullseye of God's glorious standard. And because of that, sin, missing the bullseye, has entered the world and affects every single human being. And because of that, you know what? We are disconnected spiritually, but Jesus came to make a way so we don't have to live in spiritual darkness, but we can enter into his marvelous light. And this is good news. And it's not just for the Jews. It's for the Jews, the Greeks, and all Gentiles, everyone who will believe. But the challenge is, is we've reduced it down to, I don't drink, I don't smoke, 
I don't date guys who do that. I don't do drugs, so I'm a good person. My friend, if that is your belief that what the gospel come to heal you from, you are so missing it so much. What Jesus came to heal you from, and though it causes you to do things that are not of God, Jesus came to heal the sin problem, to forgive you of every sin you ever committed, will commit, are committing. He came to forgive you, but not just to forgive you, but to open your eyes to the power of God, a different dimension, a different kingdom, so that you can know that there is life beyond this life. But what happens, what happens is we become inoculated to who Jesus is. He's the power to our salvation. He's the power to our soul. And whenever you begin to look at this from, a, from that dimension, it, it, it changes everything. So he says, I've endured every trial. I want to keep reading verse 20. He says, He says, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. Paul goes on to say, he says, I have one message for the Jews and the Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. All that stuff I just told you. He says, and now I'm bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem And I don't know what awaits me there. In other words, he says, I don't have a crystal ball. He says, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in the city after city jail and suffering lie ahead. He says, but my life is worth nothing to to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. He says, and now that I, that, None of, none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. He says, I declare today that I have been faithful. He says, if anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. He says, for I didn't shrink. Everybody say shrink. In other words, I didn't shrink from sharing the good news, the eternal truth of who God is. He says, I stepped up to it. So God is not calling us to shrink back as a church. He's calling us to step in as a church. He says, I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. He goes on to tell the leaders there. He says, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with Jesus' own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you leaders. In other words, the Spirit of God appointed you a leader, gave you an assignment, not you yourself. He goes on to say this, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. He says, watch out. He says, remember the three years I was with you, my constant, everybody say constant. In other words, my consistent and constant watch and care over you day and night and my many tears for you. He says, and now I entrust to you, you leaders, you to God uh, and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all of those he has set apart for himself. 
Then he goes on to say this. He says, I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. He says, you know, that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me, my team. He says, and I have been a constant example, he says, of how you can help those in need by working hard. Let's say those two words together, working hard. Let's say it one more time, working hard. He says, I've been an example by how I've been working hard. And then context is always king. This is where he shares what Jesus said by is more blessed to give than receive. He says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Right there is context. Other words, not, hey, you know what, just because you've been given something, you know what, it, it's, it's, it's more blessed to give. What I really think he's saying here is because, you know what, you have been spared or I have been spared, you need to understand something. Sparing is always uh, a, 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 the, the, the pathway to being a spark. And if disaster didn't hit you, guess what? You don't have to be on the receiving end. You get to get, be on the giving end. And so, you know what? If you've been spared, that means you get to give. You get to share. And it's more blessed because you don't have to be on the receiving end. How awesome is that? That you and I have the opportunity because our, our city or maybe our structure has it, has it been struck and we're on, we've been spared, but we're on the receiving end and now we can give. Silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give for the name of God and to bring hope to Pele, uh, healing to people's life wherever they are as they've been struck in the storm. See, how you become a spark is you use what you have been given and you let others receive it so you can share the message of eternal hope. And though, you know what, disasters are platforms for us to share the hope of eternal things with people, it's a mess to do it, but we as a church have to remember why we have been spared. And it's simply so we can be givers. He doesn't say you've been blessed because you've been good. The Bible says you've been blessed to be a blessing. And so what that means, if, you know what, if, if I've been spared and somebody else has been hurt, then I am on, on the giving end, and they are on the receiving end, and I've been spared to be a spark. I'm a firm believer in that. And Paul looked at his life, and he was like, hey, you know what? <laughs> Though I was beaten, and they, they chastised me. They didn't like the way I did church. They drug me out of town. They kicked my teeth in. They did everything they could. Somehow, some way, God spared me. And he says, because I was spared in the hurricanes of life and the disasters of life, he says, I step into being a spark wherever I go. And so I'm just really challenging the church today. Can you see from a different dimension? Are you only seeing surfacely what has happened? Or will you step in and be a spark and begin to serve and to begin to share and spread the good news of who God is? And the good news isn't this. The good news isn't, you know what, be good and God's going to give you more stuff in this life. 
The good news is, is there's, there's hope beyond this broken world. There's hope beyond the situation. There's hope beyond, you know what, whether you live on a mountain or you hit a valley. But it is, it is until Jesus comes back, and sets up the new heaven and the new earth, there will always, always, always be brokenness. But brokenness is an opportunity to be a giver. And anytime I'm spared in this life, I am to be a vessel for God to bring hope and healing to other people's life. You say, well, how do do I do that? Well, simply, you don't do it from looking at things from a human point of view. Because if you look at things only from a human point of view and not an eternal point of view, then it'll never make sense. Because you'll begin to do church this way. I have more stuff than they do have, so I ought to share some of my stuff with them so that they have an equal amount of stuff like I have. And again, you can be without stuff, and still be the bearer of the awesome good news of who God is. As a matter of fact, sometimes without stuff, you're in the position to show the heart of God because you begin to put that, you know what, my hope isn't in my stuff, but my hope is in a God, you know what, that has saved my soul and reconnected my spirit to eternal things and not just earthly things. And so we've been positioned as a church We've been spared to be a spark, to, to serve, to, to share, to share our heart, to share hope, to share healing. And so the, the danger is this, is to be inoculated to what's happening around us. Well, you know, I, I hate it for them. We, we've started, I, I, when I drove back into town, I'm like, God, you know, I don't, ha- I don't have enough money to fix this problem. As a church, you know, again, I, I didn't know what the disaster, I still don't know what the fullness of the disaster is. But I'm like, I can't fix this. And God's like, no, you can't fix it. And nobody else can either. However, what you can do is you can begin to use what you have to bring hope and healing to people who have been hurt and are hurting and begin to share the heart of God with those people that his goodness still reigns in the middle of the storm and doing everything you can with what you have, the hands you have, work hard as the apostle Paul did, begin to show people the love of God. Just use what you got. And as I drove up to our conference center, a a wedding venue, a freaking uh, place to, to do events and all that kind of stuff, God said, that's what you've got. There's a building. And though we, we're supposed to be doing these elaborate events in there where everybody's, you know, doing their little swanky things and all that kind of stuff, it looks like a freaking warehouse in there right now. You say, why? Because we're collecting supplies. And the reason we're collecting supplies is not to hoard supplies, but we're staging strategically. We didn't know what we were doing. We just said, we got a, we got a venue, and, 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 and this week alone, you know what, there's other churches and other partnerships from around the world that have sent, you know what, over five tractor trailer loads of supplies into our conference center to respond <laughs> to what God is doing. 
And, and God's like, you got a venue. You ain't got no money. You can't buy no stuff. And I just said, I'll open up the venue. And people started calling me and texting me and says, what can I do from around the world? I'm saying, we got this. They said, well, we're going to send a tractor trailer. We're going to send this. We're going to send that. And again, we started storing the stuff up. I thought, well, shoot, we're going to start giving out all these hungry people, all this kind of stuff. But God has strategically placed us in partnership with another ministry locally called Impact Ministry that is strategically uh, planning teams of people of service to go in after the flood is over in Horry County over the next several months. And guess what? We're going to take those supplies and we're going to distribute them out strategically, um, you know, throughout, throughout that time period. So we've been blessed to be a blessing. And so if you're going to have an event over at the conference center, it's going to be in the warehouse. <laughs> Just teasing. But, but the point being is, uh, what I'm trying to say is, you know what? I don't know what you have, but I know that we all have something if we've been spared to put together. And if we put it together, we can be the people of God, the called out ones, sharing the good news of God with those who don't know God. All we got to do is work together and unify our hearts and do what God has called us to do. And again, I'm not belittling the circumstances. I'm not belittling anybody who has been hit by the storm. I just want to declare to you today, you weren't hit by the storm because you're bad and somebody else is good. You were hit by the storm because storms are in this life. But there's a good God that will show up through his people in the midst of your storm and begin to bring hope and healing, eternal, eternal things into your heart. But the church has to step up into it. The church has to be the church. Nothing bothers me more than like over at our conference center, we've got a collection site, all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and well-meaning people, they come by and they see what we're doing. They're like, oh, it's nice that y'all are doing that good thing. And you know what? That bothers me. And here's the reason why. Because I'm not doing that to be nice. And I'm, I'm doing that because it's, it's how God's people are supposed to respond. And it's what we're supposed to do. And we're not doing it to be nice, to impress you, to, thank you, to make us look like we're good. We're doing it because it's the heart of God. It's the love of God. It's who God is. And can I tell you something? It's not about us being nice and, and you not being nice and you giving us accolades and all that kind of stuff. You know, join in. What I want to say to anybody that walks by and says, it's nice that y'all are doing that. I'm like, well, y'all, just jump on the bandwagon. Do something with us. Help us. You know what? Help us bring hope and healing to somebody else don't walk by and say it's nice that y'all are doing that because if you're a Christ follower God's inviting you to step in and begin to respond respond and restore respond and restore respond and restore respond I mean all you may be able to do is bring some canned mushroom soup I don't know respond and restore. And you've got a heart and you're connected to God and you're connected to his family for a reason. And Paul said it's better to give than receive. And I just got to say, you know what? Barefoot Church, we are on the giving end of things right now. We are so blessed to be spared so we can be a spark, serve, and share, and spread the good news of Christ. He said, well, how do you do that? 
Three quick things. Number one, you show compassion. And can I tell you what compassion is? It means that you come with passion. Don't walk through and say it's nice that y'all are doing that. Be passionate about something. I mean, again, it's, it's easy to become inoculated to it. You drive up and down this, this beach, it doesn't look like, you know, there ain't no trees down and there ain't much damage up here, though, you know, we got some limbs down and a shingle blew off, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's easy to become inoculated five miles, 10 miles right outside, you know, right here in our very own county of what has happened. But have compassion on it. Begin to see it, begin to feel it, begin to touch it. If you don't have compassion, just ride out there. I I didn't say try to go through the water because they tell you not to do that. But just ride out there and take a look at some of it. It's horrible. It's a disaster. They're predicting, and again, the, the officials don't even know how to handle this kind of flooding in this state. It is that severe. But again, it's easy to just think, you know what? I won't come with passion because it didn't affect me and my family. And when we came back, the lights were on in this building. It's leaking. It's a mess. But, but, but truly, you know what? We're spared. We're in this room today, man. I'm thinking, you know, I thought based on what we, what we knew when we left here that this wasn't even going to be here when we got back. However, you know what? We've been spared to be a blessing. We've been spared to share the good news. Come with passion. That's what the word compassion is. You come at what you do with passion. Are you on mission with God? Again, we're partnering with the Red Cross. We're doing a blood drive over at the conference center this Wednesday. They need blood. You know what? If, if that's all you can do is give your blood, then come over there and give your blood to the Red Cross. We haven't. That's what we're doing over there this week. We're collecting food. And again, we don't want to keep the food. We don't want to hoard, hoard the food. You know somebody in need? Tell them about it. And again, we're strategically unpacking these things. We've got cleaning items, all kinds of things that people don't need yet. They're going to need them in three weeks when the waters recede and they have to restore their house. We're bringing in all kinds of teams from out of town that you can join in with, partner up with. And we're going to be strategically placing these teams up and down the beach to do uh, reconstruction and all those kind of things. I know some of y'all can run in with a chainsaw right now and and, and, you know, cut a street and get it open or whatever else. But there's a whole lot more that has to happen over the next several months as insurance assessors and all those th- kind of things. And we can't give up now, you know what, five days after the storm and not respond because this is going to be an ongoing effort. Come with passion. Number two is this, leverage what you got. You want to know how to share the good news? Leverage what you have. Again, you know, we, what we got is what we got. And again, you know, we as a group, as a church, I just want you to know, like, we're, 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 we're always broke. Okay? I'm talking about financially. We're always broke. We have about 30, it takes about $35,000 a week to run what we do as a church. $35,000 a week. Okay? And we do the best we can with that $35,000. However, you know, like last week, we didn't have church. So we got $3,000. So that's a $32,000 hit for that week. That happens quite often sometimes. 
However, you know what? That doesn't restrain us from leveraging what we got, the time we have. Because, you know what? Even if we got 30 more days to be in this building, we got this building. We got the conference center. Leverage it while you got it. Do what you can do. Make it happen. Believe God, and he will send the resources. All of those supplies come from, like, Feed the Hungry USA. Another church out of Pennsylvania, Life Church, partnered up and paid for the trucks to get here to Myrtle Beach. Is that awesome or what? Come on. World Vision, they decided to load a truck with supplies and send it in here to us and foot the bill to get the supplies here. All we had to do was unload them, put them on the dock, and give them out to the herding. Man, can I tell you, God is at work. Silver and gold you may not have, but what you do have, use it, and God will fill your barns and do what he says. It's awesome. And again, it's not about always supplying the resources and everything else. It's making yourself available and letting God use you through serving, through sharing, through doing all of these things. Leverage what you have. And lastly is this, always bring hope beyond the circumstance. Again, we're not going to fix the world's problem. You know, there's a good possibility And again, I'm not a weatherman, but I'm watching the weather right now, probably like you are, because of all these floods and things are are rising, still rising. The rivers are still rising today as I understood it before I come up here. But there's other tropical storms out in the ocean right now spinning all around, and they're saying, you know, the Carolinas might want to watch out, watch for this storm, do all that. That isn't an alarm to scare you to death. I'm just bringing the reality to you that, you know what, though that may happen, there is still hope beyond the circumstance. There's hope beyond the situation. There is a God, and he will show up, and he will begin to appoint eternal things, eternal hope, but you'll never ever trust that if you only look at things from this dimension God opened the door through Christ Jesus so we didn't only see things from a human point of view it's as if we're behind a veil but Jesus came to rip the veil away so we could get a peek into an unshakable kingdom And the question is, are you looking at things from that point of view or simply from this point of view? The promises of God are his ways are higher than our ways. Lots of questions. Why will a good God allow these things to happen in the earth? Those are great questions. Can I tell you, that's why we're kicking off this thing called Alpha this Thursday night at the conference center is because we're going to begin to sit around tables and answer some of those questions. That's why I'm doing this this series called Dimensions of Disaster because a lot of people ask it, well, you know what, where is God? Why ain't God here in the storm? 
my friend, we are going to be dissecting some of that. And i got to declare to you today, based on the Bible, the truth of God's word, he is here in the storm. He is in the middle of the storm. He is Lord over the storm. He is in the storm. He is through the storm. He sees all. He is over all. And he is in all. But you will not ever, ever begin to believe that unless you trust by faith that he is who he says he is and that that veil has been opened. See, that's when Jesus came. He's to show you that, you know what? Your inheritance isn't here, but your inheritance is beyond this physical life. Let me go back to the passage, Acts chapter 20, and I'm going to show you what Paul said here in, uh, what was it, verse 32, I think it is. He says this. He says, now he's telling the elders, he says, I entrusted you to God, And the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Let me me read that again. He tells them, Acts 20 verse 32, he says, Now I entrust to you, because he felt like he was getting ready to depart this earth, to you, uh, I entrust you to God, and the message of his grace that is able to build you up in the middle of the storm and give you an inheritance beyond the storm with all those set apart for himself. See, our inheritance isn't here. Those of us who have believed in Jesus, we understand our inheritance is still yet to come. Those of us that believe in the work of Jesus, that he opened the door, he forgave sin, he gave us a a, a glimpse into eternal things. We believe in an eternal kingdom that is unshakable, where there will be no more tears, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more pain, there will be no more storms. It will all be reformed and all evil will be put in the abyss and our great God will rule and reign forever and we will have an eternal inheritance in that kingdom. you got to elevate your thinking, man. you got to have hope beyond the circumstance. We live in a broken world. And the only thing that that fixes the brokenness is Jesus. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. Whoever, Jew, Greek, Gentile, male, female, doesn't matter what social class you come from, whoever believes in Him shall not waste away, shall not perish, but have eternal life. The question for you is, what is your hope in? Is it in that Jesus that loved you so much? He gave his life and showed the amazing power of God as he resurrected from that grave? Or is it simply in the things that you see? My friend, today, he will open your spiritual eyes. He will begin to give you an ability to see the scriptures from his vantage point, from his angle. But you got to surrender because we live in a broken world. We've all sinned and missed the mark of God's glorious standard. And Jesus didn't come just to give us a better life. He came to give us a new life. He came to give us new eyes and a new heart and make us into a brand new creation. And the thing is, is until you surrender 
to that dimension and who God really is and his ways are higher than our ways. Nothing will ever make sense. So I wonder if you've just been following some religion called Christianity or are you truly in relationship with God because of what Christ Jesus has done? Because Christ Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came so you could enter a relationship with an all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time God. And some of us are stuck in a religion. But today could be the day you move into a relationship. Can you bow your heads, please? God, you're amazing. And God, I know there's hurt all around us. God, there's hurt in this room today. But Jesus, you came as a gift to open our spiritual eyes to a different dimension. And God, though the enemy meant this storm for harm, to hurt people, to make people doubt, God, you're going to use it for good to bring people hope beyond the circumstance and situation. God, I pray for those who are hurting right now that need hope, that need healing. God, your church, your people, those who have been called out can be the hands and feet of Jesus. God, we would use what we have. We would step up and we would make a difference. But God, may we always share the hope of eternal things, the things beyond this life. Because God, that's really what all of us need is that relationship with you so we can see things from your point of view. God, these things will be final. The world, this, this earth will pass away. But God, we know today that this world is not our home, that we are connected to you and we live in a different dimension. And my friend, if you don't quite see through that, the way to begin to see is to truly trust Jesus. I need you to know today that Jesus didn't come to show his love on a cross just for a few people. He came to show his love on a cross for all people. That's anybody in this room whosoever will believe by faith that he is who he says he is. And the power of God that resurrected him from the grave is the way into your salvation. My friend, he will move into your life and begin to open your eyes. My friend, if you want to live from an eternal point of view and begin to understand things from God's perspective, it may not all come to you today because we can never fully see it from this side. But you can begin to trust from this side. And so if you need to trust Jesus today, the real Jesus, the Jesus that came to bring you hope and healing, just simply right where you sit today. Say, God, I'm tired of trying to figure it out on my own. I'm trying to try, I'm trying, I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. And today, I need you. Tell God, thank you for the love that Jesus showed on that cross that forgives you of your sin. Tell God, thank you for the resurrection, the amazing power that was displayed in that resurrection of Jesus. Tell God you want that same power available to you today. My friend, the Bible says it's a gift from God. That's what grace is, is grace is unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it, but God chose to give it. And if you just put your faith in that gift today, 
I just want to be one of the first to say, welcome to the kingdom of God, an unshakable kingdom, the family of God. And may you grow and bring spiritual hope to other people. May you join in the efforts in this mission where God is spreading the good news of who he is around the world. My friends, we've been spared because opportunity is at our doorstep. And though sin is at our doorstep, opportunity is too. And the question is, is will you step into the opportunity or will you continue to live in blindness and continue to let sin overpower your life? And if you said that, welcome to the family of God. To the rest of us, I just want to pray that God would mobilize us, take hold of our heart, and we would step in full forces and bring the hope of the good news of Jesus to lots of people. God, I pray today for the rest of us who have already put our faith in what Jesus has done, that we would do what we're supposed to do as a church. We would be more blessed to give than receive. God, if there is one among us that need to be on the receiving end today, I pray they would step up, make that need known, and God, you would give us the power to to really begin to rally and bring hope and healing in their situation. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. I pray this prayer in your name. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise.